Do you know that certain peptides can benefit those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's? If you want to learn more about how peptides can help with thyroid autoimmunity and other chronic conditions, then you'll want to check out the brand new Peptide Summit hosted by Dr. Jenny Flagar. In fact, peptides play a huge role in helping Dr. Jenny overcome her Hashimoto's condition. To register for the free Peptide Summit, visit SayMyThyroid.com forward slash peptides. Hey, this is Dr. Eric. And in this Q&A episode, I will be chatting with Betty Murray, who will answer the question, how can postpartum thyroiditis be managed and prevented? Betty is a nutrition expert, PhD researcher, and certified functional medicine practitioner. And this is a clip from a future episode where I will be chatting with Betty about the sex hormones with an emphasis on progesterone. And so here is part of my interview with Betty Murray with the rest to follow in a future episode. So let's just spend a few minutes on postpartum thyroiditis, because I know you have a lot of experience with that. I definitely want you to focus on the management, but also I don't know if you want to talk about a little bit, I guess, what postpartum thyroiditis is and how frequently do you see it in your practice? Yes, yes. So, you know, I do see postpartum thyroiditis, even though I don't necessarily always work with people on the fertility side. So postpartum thyroiditis is a pregnancy-induced Hashimoto's antithyroid peroxidase antibodies. What I have found, you could probably speak to this as well, is that often this is a subclinical Hashimoto's. The antibodies that were already present before pregnancy, and it's the hormone changes that radically shift what's happening in the pregnancy itself. And then that's what the ensuing sort of inflammatory response. And, you know, I like to think about it this way. When we're pregnant, one whole side of our immune system sort of takes a nap because otherwise, if it was paying attention, it would kill the fetus because we have a foreign entity in our body. And so it, a lot of it is this inflammatory response of those hormones shifting, the reduction in progesterone and the increase in estrogen relative to it, and then the turning back on of that immune system and also the increase in prolactin because prolactin is immune stimulating and prolactin is the hormone that brings in breast milk. I think all of those things are just ripe for an opportunity for thyroiditis postpartum. So how do you manage it when you, again, I know that's not your focus, mm-hmm. but when you do see someone postpartum thyroiditis, what do you do to help manage the symptoms? So if we look kind of in the research, there's some pretty good research that nutritional selenium, adequate levels of selenium and taking supplemental selenium even pre-pregnancy, like if somebody's like, hey, I know I have antibodies, but maybe I'm not fully Hashimoto's or maybe I'm Hashimoto's and I don't want to have a thyroid storm afterwards that we can use preventative selenium. And so obviously if somebody's experiencing that using appropriate selenium from that. I also look at the usual sort of anti-inflammatory things. So taking your inflammatory foods out, particularly gluten, even if you aren't celiac, even if you're not sure if you're gluten sensitive, like remove that immune stimulating food because it does poke holes in our intestinal walls and it can just increase this sort of immune response, even if somebody's not celiac. And then I also look at some of your other really inflammatory foods, your sugar, your dairy, your processed foods. And in some people, we might even remove grains for a period of time because they tend to be a little more immune stimulating. The other thing I often look at too is the amount of iodine whether it's too much or too little, because on either side, if it's too much or too little, you can see an increase in thyroiditis. I worry, you may agree with me or disagree with me, 
you know, there's been this sort of prevailing story in functional medicine that was started by a particular physician, or I think he was a researcher, that everybody that had thyroid problems needed really super physiological doses of iodine. And I see just as many people that may have thyroiditis, postpartum, and or an uptick in Hashimoto's antibodies, and some of it is probably being driven by too much iodine. Yes, if we don't have enough and our soil is depleted, but chances are people are eating foods with iodine in it. And so the relative risk of somebody being severely iodine deficient is probably not what's being promoted out there. So I very much believe in doing sort of an iodine to creatinine ratio and really looking at that and adjusting the diet to either increase or decrease that iodine level. I agree that you want to be cautious with iodine. And I was on the iodine bandwagon years ago, just as far as the higher dose iodine and just realized that that's not a good idea for a lot of people with not only Hashimoto's, but Graves disease as well. I mean, that being said, if someone is pregnant, they probably want to take a prenatal that has iodine, but it has just a smaller amount of iodine. So you don't want to go the other extreme where you're completely restricting iodine during pregnancy because iodine is important, of course, for the yeah. development of the feet, especially the brain. But as, but I agree as far as like taking separate iodine supplements during pregnancy, that could be a contributing factor. And yeah, that's a good advice with the selenium. And yeah, I mean, you're right. A lot of people don't know that they have Hashimoto's during pregnancy. And if someone does know that they have it, then they could take the proper precautions. But guess it's a good argument for really anyone to just try to eat a healthy anti-inflammatory diet, do things to manage stress. And also, sounds like you agree, like some people will talk about birth as being a trigger, but it's not really, I mean, it's almost like the straw that broke the camel's back because the person had the antibodies prior. It's not like that the birth actually caused Hashimoto's. As you know, it takes years for that process to develop and all that. But yeah, anything else that you wanted to talk about when it comes to postpartum thyroiditis? I know there's probably not a whole lot to talk about, but I wanted you to just uh, give an overview and you did a good job of just talking about some of the ways to manage it. You know, I would like to say, I think we should be testing for these things before we think it's a problem, right? Because again, you're going to develop Hashimoto's over time. It's not something new. And I think the other thing people need to realize is when we look at lab reference ranges, and some of them may vary by lab, when you look at those lab reference ranges, they didn't go out and get a thousand of the healthiest people on the planet and go, what's the perfect range? They picked like a thousand random, probably medical students that were sleep deprived, sick and tired and did theirs. And so, you know, a lot of times people might like, let's say maybe they got lucky and someone looked for antibodies. And let's say they're just slightly below diagnostic criteria. And, you know, I always look at those things and they're like, oh, you're fine. I'm like, why, why would you shouldn't be creating antibodies to your own body parts? And especially if you're skirting the high side of normal, something's brewing, right? Something's brewing. So if I know that I can take proactive steps. So just because somebody's in the reference range doesn't necessarily mean that that won't progress to something later on. It may not, but it may. It is, it is important to sort of look at it as the N of one, that person, and what's that likelihood for that to increase? Yeah, I definitely agree. You want to look at the optimal ranges. And the problem is that most of the time, they're just going to do a thyroid panel and many times just a TSH. And then if the TSH is on a higher side, but within the range, they won't look any further. But yeah, they should be doing like predictive antibody testing where they look at the 
thyroid antibodies, especially the thyroid peroxidase and antithyroid globulin antibodies, even if the TSH is within range, because again, it takes time for that process to develop where the TSH becomes out of range. So yeah, that's a good point where all pregnant women, the argument for them to have the thyroid panel as well as the antibodies. Uh, don't think it'll happen anytime soon in the in conventional medicine world, but but again, in the functional medicine world, it's probably a good idea. So I just wanted to briefly discuss a couple of studies related to selenium supplementation when it comes to postpartum thyroiditis. This first journal article is actually from 2007, and the title is The Influence of Selenium Supplementation on Postpartum Thyroid Status in Pregnant Women with Thyroid Peroxidase Antibodies. And so it starts off by saying that pregnant women who are positive for thyroid peroxidase antibodies, also known as TPO antibodies, are prone to develop postpartum thyroid dysfunction, or PPTD, and permanent hypothyroidism, and selenium decreases thyroid inflammatory activity in patients with autoimmune thyroiditis. So the objective was to examine whether selenium supplementation during and after pregnancy influences the thyroid autoimmune pattern and function, and it involved a total of 2,143 euthyroid pregnant women, meaning that their thyroid hormone levels were normal. However, 7.9% had positive thyroid peroxidase antibodies. And then during pregnancy and the postpartum period, 77 women with positive thyroid peroxidase antibodies received 200 micrograms of selenomethionine. And then 74 women with positive thyroid peroxidase antibodies received a placebo. So they did not take selenium. And then there were 81 women who were negative for TPO antibodies in the control group. And so the results showed that postpartum thyroid dysfunction and permanent hypothyroidism were significantly lower in that first group I mentioned, the one that took the selenium who had elevated TPO antibodies compared with the other group. And the conclusion was that selenium supplementation during pregnancy and in the postpartum period reduced thyroid inflammatory activity and the incidence of hypothyroidism. And then the second study was more recent from 2022, and the title was Selenium Supplementation in Pregnant Women with Autoimmune Thyroiditis, a Practical Approach. And the abstract mentions that selenium is an essential trace element with antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties and a pivotal role in thyroid metabolism. And selenium supplementation is expected to improve inflammatory status in patients with autoimmune thyroiditis, especially in those with high activity and has been demonstrated as effective in reducing the thyroid peroxidase antibodies. And selenium status seems to affect thyroid function in pregnancy, which prompts the potential role of selenium supplementation in such patients. And the current study aims to summarize published data on the relationship between selenium and thyroid status in pregnant women with thyroiditis and the potential use of selenium. And so I won't read the entire study. I'll I'll include the links in the show notes, which you could check out by visiting savemythyroid.com. And essentially, the conclusion kind of reinforces some of the things that said earlier. Selenium supplementation has been demonstrated as being effective in reducing thyroid peroxidase antibodies, and selenium seems to affect thyroid function during pregnancy, prompting investigations of potential role of selenium supplementation in the setting. And to date, 
Few clinical trials have investigated the effectiveness of selenium supplementation in pregnant women with thyroiditis, and the results suggest its safety and effectiveness in reducing autoantibody levels and preventing the development of postpartum thyroiditis, although it does go on to mention that these studies are limited, and therefore an individualized approach taking selenium status into account may be a good strategy to improve thyroid function in women with thyroid autoimmunity, both during pregnancy and in the postpartum period. So I think without question, you want to take a prenatal and the prenatal is going to have some selenium, but that might not be enough to prevent someone with positive thyroid peroxase antibodies from developing postpartum thyroiditis. Now, of course, you could test the TPO antibodies, the thyroid peroxidase antibodies during pregnancy and see if they are positive. If they're not positive, then extra supplementation with selenium probably is not necessary. But if someone does have elevated thyroid peroxidase antibodies and maybe even positive antithyroglobulin antibodies, I'm not sure the studies don't mention antithyroglobulin antibodies, but those are associated with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And if someone has one or both of those antibodies, especially the TPO antibodies, at least according to the research, they might want to consider supplementing with selenium. Now, you do want to be careful because selenium toxicity is possible. So if you are taking a prenatal and then on top of that, you take 200 micrograms of selenomethionine, you might be okay depending on how much selenium is in the prenatal. If there's only, for example, 50 micrograms of selenium, and then on top of that, you take 200 micrograms of selenium, that's, of course, 250 micrograms. And so you probably will be okay, but it does depend on the person. And that's why I can't specifically tell anyone listening to this to take selenium if you're pregnant, or really in any situation, I can't say take selenium because there's always that risk of toxicity with selenium as well as some other minerals, but we're focusing on selenium here. So it really is up to you. If you're taking a prenatal, which you should if you're pregnant, and if it has 100 micrograms or more of selenium, I would be more cautious about supplementing separately with selenium, at least supplementing with 200 micrograms. Of course, if you're taking a prenatal and it has 100 micrograms, then you could consider supplementing with 100 micrograms of selenium, so where the total would be 200 micrograms. So just something to consider to try to prevent postpartum thyroiditis from developing and might potentially be beneficial for those who already have postpartum thyroiditis who are listening to this, but especially beneficial for those who don't have it and again are trying to prevent it. So I hope you found this Q&A episode on postpartum thyroiditis to be valuable. And as usual, I look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. 
To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.